Welcome to Money Your Way. My name is Jess and I'll be your host. This podcast is all about empowering women just like you to feel confident when making choices in the world of personal finance. It can feel super confusing and overwhelming when there's unfamiliar lingo and tons of options. So I'll do my best to keep this fun and simple as we learn together. What do you say? Let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Money Your Way podcast. I am so excited that you're here. And this episode topic today has been probably my most requested topic from my listeners. So I'm excited to introduce Lindsay and we're going to be talking about the idea of getting started with investing. So if you've never invested before, but you're looking into getting started with that, this episode is going to be for you. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jessica. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for you too. So Lindsay is a money coach and I am going to let her talk a little bit about what that actually means and how the heck she even got started in that. So share a little bit about that journey for us. Yeah, this is kind of a long story. So get prepared. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to start a business pretty much as soon as I found out that you could start an internet business once I graduated from college. And I tried a couple things and neither of them worked out for various reasons, mostly just because I got bored and gave up. But in 2020, I got laid off from my job as a recruiter and I had an existential crisis where I was like, what am I doing with my life? And I should just start this business again. So I like saw this ad on YouTube for this woman who like taught people how to create online courses through her online course, which I realized sounds kind of sketch, but I ended up signing up for her program and she helped me realize that, wow, money coaching is really something that makes sense for me. And I didn't know that other people were doing it. I thought it was unique to me. And then I found this beautiful world of money coaches. So that's my story. I kind of realized that I knew things about money that other people didn't when I was working at my full-time job. And there was this girl in that I was working with who was constantly talking about how she was in debt and how she wanted to get out of debt. But she would tell me about things like, oh, we just bought a new car or how they were eating out all the time. Not that I was judging her, but she just didn't seem to actually be working towards her goals. And she always asked me questions and never took my advice. So I figured if I could help some more people like her, then it would be a win in my book. I love that. I didn't know that background of the whole, a course for a course. Um, and just in general, that started from a personal aspect of realizing people were, were coming to you from your own personal finance journey. What does that look like for you? As far as when you realized that you were doing things maybe a little bit differently. So you got exposed to, to people who were telling you stories. Was there a point that you realized you were kind of being more conscious of that um was some of that maybe part of growing up that you had learned things yeah I was lucky enough to get a lot of financial literacy education from my parents and I think the moment when I realized that I did have some sort of knowledge that I took for granted was in college my senior year uh some one of my friends told me about how she never paid off her credit card in full because her parents told her that that would hurt her credit score and that she should always carry a balance. As somebody who grew up with 
my mom literally told me for as long as I can remember, like pay off your credit card on time and in full every month. I didn't even know it was an option not to at this point in my life. And so hearing that people actually believed that you're not supposed to do that and that you're supposed to be in debt on purpose was crazy to me. So that's when I started realizing that like other people didn't have the knowledge that I had. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure I could go into this story so much. Um, but it kind of just spiraled from there as people started asking me more questions about it as they saw that I was never really worried about money. Okay. So you had a lot of confidence just in general and around that topic. Yes. And I think it was because as I look back, I think it was because I did have those guides in my life. I did a lot of self-education after I graduated from college because I was interested in investing and how to learn more and how to make money from it beyond my salary. Cause my salary wasn't as high as I thought it should be. And, um, I did all this research for years and years and read books and listened to podcasts and went on Reddit forums and joined Facebook groups and all these different things. But I don't think I would have been as confident as I became if it wasn't for the guidance that I was lucky enough to be able to get from my parents. And now I try to pass on that guidance to others because really it's not impossible, but very difficult to find the kind of guidance you need from education on the internet. I love that. So you talked about from your own journey, wanting more interest in investing. Um, And that's kind of the main focus for today's episode for someone who wants to get started and maybe has um, no idea where to go. What's one of the things that you can recommend they start with? And I think to go along with that, just as like a part B for the question, if someone says, how much money do I need to get started? Let's kind of fit that in there too. Yeah. So the first thing that most people do when they try to get started with investing is they start researching investing. And that is a mistake that I also made when I first started getting interested in it, because the information out there is so overwhelming. It's contradictory once you get into it enough and it's confusing. But after spending almost two years now money coaching and going through you know, my own journey and coaching others, I realized that the investing journey doesn't start with investing at all. It starts with understanding your own financial situation. So the number one most important thing you can do to set yourself up for investing success is understanding how much money you're saving every month. And you do that by tracking your spending and tracking your income and seeing, okay, am I actually saving money every month or am I spending more than I'm making? That's a great first step. Let me ask another clarifying question because I think a lot of my listeners might have some sort of debt. And so that could be a difficult thing to answer when you say, hey, I have extra per month that I could be saving, but I'm throwing it at debt. Where would you uh, clarify that for them? Yeah. So that's part of the first step. So the first step is knowing how much you're spending and making every month, right? And for some people, you may be throwing extra money at debt, but For many people, they don't know, like they might be throwing chunks at debt, but there's no real strategy behind it. And then over here, they're interested in investing and they don't know how that balances out oftentimes. And so what you have to be able to do is assess your entire financial situation before getting into investing. And so what I teach my clients to do is start by figuring out how much you're spending and making every month. That is the very basics. And then the second step is figuring out if you have debt, how much you actually have. And then we walk through like, okay, how are we going to balance this with saving for things like temporary things or 
short-term things like, okay, yeah, I want to pay off my debt, but I also want to be able to go on vacation later this year for my best friend's bachelorette party. And of course that's important. That's a once in a lifetime experience. You're not a robot. That's just going to throw all your money at debt. Right. Um, so it's all about learning up front, like a, what's important to you and how you're going to use your money to be able to achieve those goals. That's awesome. I had an episode about like budgeting and sinking funds. And so what you kind of just like picked on with traveling and uh, bachelorette parties, like that would fall into that category if someone enjoyed the strategy of, of sinking funds for their monthly budgets. Let me ask just a question. And this is completely your opinion, right? Because there isn't necessarily always a right and a wrong in personal finance. Do you think that someone who has debt, non-mortgage debt, um, should be investing? It really depends. <laughs> and I, I also tell people there's no right or wrong answer. There is a good rule of thumb. If you have debt that is below 7% interest rate, it does make mathematical sense based on historical averages to invest that money instead of aggressively going to pay off that debt. If it's over 7%, Mathematically, it may make more sense based on historical averages of stock market returns to more aggressively pay off that debt because the return on investment, quote unquote, that you get from paying off debt is equal to its interest rate. So, for example, if you're paying off credit card debt that's 15%, that's a really good return because on average, the stock market returns somewhere between 7 and 12% every year. But math aside, the 7% rule is a pretty good rule of thumb. That being said, I think that general personal finance advice and only focusing on the numbers is unwise because people are people and we have psychological habits. And some people really don't like the idea of having debt. And yeah, maybe they only have a car loan at 5% interest rate, but they hate having it. So I'd rather, you know, have them pay off that debt if they hate it so that they can get on with it and live their life, even though it may make more sense mathematically to invest. That's a really like nice thing that you opened up and shared about, because I feel like that type of perspective isn't like talked about enough of how much finances impact our emotions um, or just our mental health in, in areas of where we feel comfortable or, or not or secure. I will say the numbers is a big thing for me personally. Like we've got a mortgage and that's at, I refinanced um, a year and a half ago now or so to like 2.75%. So I am not throwing any extra at that my extra money per month is going into um, investments or sinking funds. So that definitely is something that I process because it's like, sure, you could put money there, but it just didn't make sense for, for me. Yeah, absolutely. And some people are super like, I don't know what star sign you are, but Capricorns like me like to go with the math. I'm and a Taurus. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Not that I'm super into astrology, but everybody <laughs> always tell my friend that's really into astrology is always like, Lindsay, you're the most Capricorn Capricorn I've ever met. And she's also a Capricorn. Um, but anyway, so some people just based on their personality really like to know the math and they want to do everything as it lines up with the math. 
Some people are not like that. I don't know what star sign goes with that, but some people just the emotion really takes over them. For example, my friend Taylor at Imperfect Finance on Instagram, she's amazing. Oh, she's Imperfect Taylor now, actually. She used to be Imperfect Finance, but she started her journey because she wanted to pay off debt and her debt was pretty low interest. It was a student loan, but she was like, I don't want this debt lingering over my head. I want to pay it off, even though it doesn't make as much mathematical sense. So she paid her off her debt and then she started investing. So it really just depends on your personality. And that's why I make everybody assess that as like the first thing they do when they start working with me. Hey, what's important to you and why? Yeah, I think that definitely is a clear first step for people to to consider and process. Mm -hmm. So now that someone has gone through understanding their own situation and if going into investments is right for them, that world can feel maybe really overwhelming. What would you suggest or how would you even open up the discussion of the different options they have from retirement type accounts to individual brokerages and the whole employee match aspect. What, how do you start to simplify that for someone? Yeah. So the first step, like I said, is that clarify step where you understand, you know, your situation and your goals. And that's what we just talked about. The second step in my method is building confidence. And that's the step where everybody usually starts. And it's just researching and knowing, like figuring out, okay, what's this whole investing thing? What do these retirement accounts mean? When I start teaching people that investing portion, that like building confidence area, I teach them about investing first and what it is, what it isn't, and the options with it. Um, So like, oh, what's a stock versus what's a bond versus how does real estate fit into this? Um, although I'm not a real estate investor, um, but all those things. And then we learn about the retirement accounts and the tax implications. Actually, the tax implications come first because that's the reason that you have retirement accounts. Um, and then we move on from there and create a plan. Because that part's also really customized. People, I know in like teachers have a different type of account than I do um, being in corporate and the matches vary from one person to the next. So Mm -hmm. do the research, get the confidence around that. What are some other type of like searches you talked about? Like what is a stock versus a bond? Can you think of a couple other questions that people could maybe look into or that are really popular that get asked from your students? Yeah. So once people start doing research on investing, they also learn about very early in the process, usually the term ETF or index fund is brought up. So then I start teaching people, okay, you know what a stock is versus a bond. Now you, now I teach you, you can buy all of the stocks or all of the bonds or a mix of both. Um, So defining not only stocks and bonds versus real estate or whatever, but also the different kinds of funds that you can buy into to be able to buy those assets, which is a stock or a bond or whatever. Absolutely. And we won't get too detailed, but within that area, people can also research the fees associated Mm -hmm. with them, right? Yeah. And that also is included in that section where I, you know, we learn all about investing in stocks and bonds and funds, and then we get into, okay, how much do these cost? Because everybody thinks that um, like the cost of a stock is how much you buy it for. So for example, if Apple is a hundred dollars, 
and you buy a share of Apple, then it's $100. But that's not actually the cost of the fund. That's your investment into it. There's a whole nother separate cost called an expense ratio and other things, but mostly an expense ratio is the only thing they need to focus on that actually costs them money in order to buy the stock. And you know, back in the day, it used to be commissions too, but we won't even get into that because that doesn't <laughs> more so much. I can tell you've done a lot of research. Then also, I'm sure you talk about dividends. So there's the cost yeah. aspect ratio, and then there's what you get on a return outside of just performance. Yeah. So like all the ways you make money from stocks and the risks associated with them as well. You're talking about these in different sections. So this is all from your course for your Yeah, this is all from my course. And this is how I think about it in my brain. That's awesome. In my opinion, the best organized way to learn this information. What comes after the confidence section? Clarity, confidence, compounding. So that's when we exit, we create a plan during the confidence section and then we execute it all in the compounding stage. And uh, that's when you actually get your retirement account set up. You actually set up automatic investments or you call your 401k plan provider at work, your HR department or whatever. And you say, hey, I want to set up my 401k. So you're actually doing all the things because a lot of people, like I said, really get stuck in that resource accumulation phase that I call the confidence phase where they're just educating themselves and educating themselves. And this loop can go on for like years and years, if not decades. If I know a lot of people that I talk to at least are perfectionists or overthinkers, their words, not mine. And they tend to get caught in this loop where they feel like if they don't know everything about it, then they shouldn't be doing it. But the fact is nobody can know everything about investing. Like nobody does, because if they did, then there wouldn't be entire fields of study where people dedicate their lives to these kinds of things. Um, I'm sorry. I think I went off topic in your question. Did that answer <laughs> totally it? fine. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that sounds personal to me too. I'm, I've put myself in that perfectionist category. I know that I was holding on to savings, waiting to feel ready yeah. to invest, waiting to feel like I knew where to put it. And honestly, once I just made that decision and started taking action, it relieved me of so much fear. Mm-hmm. So that was that's a huge thing that I went through. And I look back and I'm like, oh, if I would have just started earlier now that it's been so many years and you look at these long-term trends, as far as trends go, Right now, um, as we speak, the end of January, the market has been seeing a a significant, well, I don't know, call it significant, but has seen a dip that's got a lot of people's attention. Um, Is that something that's coming up with your students? And how are you talking them through that? Because if they're new and they're only looking at, you know, the last month that maybe they've been invested in looking or learning about the stock market, that might be a little scary. So, how, how would you talk about that with someone? Yeah, so I, it, it's actually something I plan to bring up. I'm talking with my students in my course in about a week from this recording. Um, but it's not an issue for most people that invest the way you and I do, Jessica. It is actually a good thing because you can essentially buy 
the same amount of stocks for a lower price, essentially getting a discount. Now, for people who aren't investing, they see this as an opportunity, but then they're like, oh, it's going to go lower, it's going to go lower, and then I'll buy lower, and then they never do. And for people that just started investing, they're like, ah, no, the worst case scenario is happening right after I buy the stocks, like they're dipping and this sucks, and what should I do? Um, but what I tell people is investing is like, you're, you get a Charizard Pokemon card. And even if you don't know about Pokemon, you can still follow this analogy, right? So let's say that you get this really cool Charizard Pokemon card and you pay $10 for it. And a week later, somebody comes up to you on the street and is like, oh my gosh, that Pokemon card is so cool. I'll give you $15 for it. And you're like, mm, nah, I'll keep my Pokemon card. So at that point in time, that Charizard card was worth $15. You didn't make $5 profit because you didn't sell it. You just still have this card, right? So you haven't made anything. You haven't lost anything. You just bought this card. Then a week later, somebody else comes up to you on the street and is like, whoa, that's such a cool Pokemon card. I'll pay you $5 for it. And you're like, mm, nah. And so you don't sell it. Now, did you lose $5? No, you still have the Pokemon card. And who knows what it'll be worth in how whatever point of time you choose to sell it. But the fact is you don't actually lose money in stocks unless you buy, unless you sell them for less than you bought them for. So if you sell the Charizard card for $7 in the future, you've lost $3. But if you sell it for you know, $70 in the future, then you've made $60. So it's not about the value of your stocks at any given time. It's about when you sell it. And that brings up another really great question with investing. Well, how do you draw the conversation with someone when they talk about investing as far as like how long their money is going to be in there? I know that's varies for a lot of people on different situations, but what's some of the things that you would tell our listeners to consider or ask themselves as part of that process? Yeah, there's a couple things that I tell my students to look at. And the most important things are um, time horizon which is how long you expect to have the money for. Historically, the stock market has never dropped in its 120 year history. It has never dropped for more than 20 years. So let's say that it like it was worth $100 at some point. It's never not been worth $100 within any 20 year period again, if that makes sense. So time horizon, the longer you're invested, generally the safer it is to invest. Um, gosh, I'm forgetting the other ones that I usually talk about in this moment, but that's the biggest one is time horizon. Uh, oh yeah. Another one is risk tolerance. So like, can you actually stomach a potentially 30 to 50% drop in your investments at any given time, even though, you know, the knowledge that, yeah, even like, I'm not selling it. So I'm not actually losing any money, but looking at your investment account and seeing 30% less dollars than were in there two weeks ago is really scary, no matter how much research and preparation you've done. So do you have the ability to stomach that? And if you can't, then maybe you should rethink your investment strategy. Um, so those are the two most important things. Risk tolerance, like how okay you are with volatility, like the going up and down of the stock market. And then the other one is time horizon. And based on knowing those two things, you can make an investment strategy that works better for you. So maybe you can have more cash saved or you can buy more bonds, which generally 
like smooth the ride um, so that you're not losing as much at any given time, but you're also not gaining as much. So risk and time horizon. And all those different options come up during that research phase of what they have to choose from. Exactly. And that's why the beginning phase of gaining clarity of what your risk tolerance actually is, is so important because then you know what you should be investing in. This has been so awesome. I can just imagine someone who's never gone into this yet, but has had that desire listening to this episode and feeling this urge to to get started and, and start taking some of those steps. Do you want to share a little bit more about your course and what that would look like for someone who's interested in maybe learning more about it? Yeah. So my course is designed to help you learn how to grow your money through investing with confidence so that you won't have to worry about your financial future anymore. And it goes through all of the things that me and Jessica talked about today. So everything from clarity and knowing your situation to confidence, to learning all the things you need to learn about investing and retirement accounts and all of that. And then actually doing it, getting that compounding working for you which you can learn more about in the course um, by executing everything. So actually opening those retirement accounts up, actually putting your money into a separate bank account so that you're saving your emergency fund and things like that. Is the course a set period of time or a self-paced type of thing? Currently it's self-paced. So you can watch the video modules whenever you get lifetime access when you sign up. So even if you're busy, you can watch, you know, a couple minutes at a time. That is awesome. I'll link the um, application or the form for people to look into in the show notes. How else can they find more about you in general? Like if they want to keep hearing your content, I know I found you on Instagram, but where where would you suggest people um, look? And I'll link everything that you mentioned. Yeah, sounds good. So my Instagram is the best place to find me. I'm at your underscore money underscore BFF. You can also find me on TikTok with the same handle. I'm a lot more active on Instagram. It's a friendlier place over there. Uh, And then I would highly recommend starting by watching my free workshop. I am doing a live version of it on February 8th. And then you'll learn about more live versions of it um, as you follow me on Instagram if you want to watch another one. I highly recommend it. I decided to watch it before we we chatted so that I would learn a little bit more about you before our call. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sorry, I misspoke. It's actually on February 6th. I'm getting mixed up with my group coaching call I'm doing on the 8th. So it's February 6th. That's okay. I'll mark it down as February 6th. Perfect. So I want to um, ask you a question that I close out my podcast interviews with. And that is, what is one permission slip that you would give the listeners, whether it's something that they should have a permission slip to start or stop doing. And it could be related to the topic for today or not, just whatever comes to mind. Yeah. So the first thing that came to mind was that you are allowed, you have a permission slip to ask for help. I know a lot of us, especially people who maybe did well in school and feel like you can do everything on your own and research everything on your own. You don't have to do that anymore. There are so many resources where you can ask for help, whether it's from a coach or just meeting other people online or in person that share your interests and help you develop your skills, but you don't have to do it alone. I love that one. That was really good and applicable to so many areas too. Well, Lindsay, thank you. Um, Is there anything else that you want to add before we close out? 
that's everything. I had so much fun chatting with you today, Jessica. I hope people feel inspired by this episode. I know they will. And I had so much fun as well. Thank you, Lindsay. Thanks. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Money Your Way. If you loved this episode or you learned something new, it would mean the world to me if you just took a few seconds and shared it with a friend. I cannot wait to keep learning and growing in this journey together.